Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Texas Outlaw Running Talk Show. It used to be the Texas Double Running Talk Show, but we changed the company name to Texas Outlaw. We're still continuing business as usual. And it's been a while since I've done an episode. That's what happens when you're in college and you have a podcast. So uh, it's been about a month and a half since I, I've done an episode, but obviously I, I want to keep the podcast. I love running. I love talking about running. So we're back, baby. Episode 15. And we're starting this one off with the winner of the Georgia death race. So we had Sean Blanton on who actually puts on the Georgia death race. We had him on about two months ago, two, three months ago, somewhere around there. And now we actually have the winner of the Georgia death race. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Max Tiemann. Um yeah, I finished the race and shortly after I received a message and I was like, yeah, I'd love to be on the show and yeah. talk about winning because, I mean, what else is there to talk about? Exactly. Yeah. So super <laughs> blessed to have this guy um, on the show. I thought he was going to be bombarded with podcasts, but it turns out we're like the only podcast or one of the only podcasts that uh, had reached out to him. And so I'm super, super happy to have this dude on. Uh, the dude won Georgia Death Race, one of the hardest, arguably one of the hardest races in the Southeast. So um, super excited to have this guy on. Also, guys, we don't have any sponsorships, but what I'm going to do is I'm opening up sponsorships on the podcast. So basically what we're going to do is if you have a company, it's like $20 a month, I think. And so we're going to publish about two episodes a month and we get about somewhere over 100 viewers an episode. So if you want your brand out there and uh, we're going to keep that rate even as we grow, even if we get a million listeners or something crazy like that, we'll still keep the same rate with you. So if you guys want to do that, Patreon and everything like that is in the description. Um, but yeah, that's all I got as far as the intro goes. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into this Georgia death race. So tell us, what was it like at the starting line? Um, the starting line. So leading up to the race, I kept checking the weather like you usually do. And um, it went from hot to rainy and then back to there's not going to be rain. And then the night before the race, it said thunderstorms all day long, starting at 5 a.m. So I was just like super bummed that we were going to be standing on the start line in the rain. I mean, you get over it after a minute, but um, we ended up, I woke up in the morning, checked the weather and it said the rain was going to hold off till 11. And I was like, perfect. You know, just as you're starting to get hot, it'll cool you off. And so I was excited for that. Uh, yeah. That's Georgia for you. I'm pretty sure Georgia has like so much unpredictable weather. seems like it's always like cloudy or rainy over there in Georgia. So um, yeah, doesn't, doesn't, does not surprise me at all. So um, did you have any like pre-race rituals that you did or, or tell me about that? Uh, like morning of or? Uh, yeah, night before morning of. Uh, just did you have any like rituals you usually do right before your races? Yeah, I mean, usually. Um, so with all my races, my my wife crews me. Um, and her name's Rosalinda. And so we two days before the race, we're usually traveling the day before the race. We go out, check out the course, make sure, you know, we know where the aid stations are and make sure she knows where she's going to be driving. And there was a ton of rain before the race. so. The rivers were flooded. Um, there were some roads closed because they were washed out. So we didn't, I was like, oh man, I hope the aid station's even open. Like even you can even get there because we have a little gulf, you know? A little oh, yeah. thing. Um, so we drove out there and all the roads were good and stuff and just kind of check on that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, just relax. You know, usually you got packet pickup, get some food. Pizza is a usual go-to the night before. And then, um, Morning of the race, I usually wake up early. I like to eat 
two to three hours beforehand. So, you know, everything can process before you get out there on the trail. Um, so I woke up, made myself some pancakes and yeah. That's awesome, man. So, so going into the race, was your goal first place? Were you like, I want to get first place or did you just go out and you stayed in first the whole time? Tell us about that. So, I mean, it's so hard to know who's going to be out there. So I never really try to set place goals just because who knows who's going to show up. Um, and even if you don't know someone's name, you're like looking at them on ultra sign up. Like if you have a good training block, you never know what can happen. Um, so I ran it in 2018. Um, and my main goal, like I wanted to do better. Um, in 2018, I finished that race and I felt like I was dying at the finish line. Like stomach was cramping, arms were cramping and I was just done for. And I, I did really well for like what my goals were. So I was really happy, but I was like never doing that again. Like that was the worst experience ever. And then, uh, you know, a few hours later, I'm back at our cabin that we rented and I'm like, Hey, I think I could take some time off, <laughs> you know, cause like you forget how much it hurts. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So, Usually like 24 hours after you're like, yeah, I could have done better. Or you're thinking like, yeah, I'm ready to do this next year again. So. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty shortly after I was like, I want to do that again. And then 2019, I missed the uh, lottery cause he does the lottery for the race. So if you volunteer, you get to, enter automatically you still have to pay but you get to skip the lottery so 2019 i went down and did um the winding stair aid station and hung out there all day and that was really cool to see because you got the guys up front just battling for the golden ticket and they were just it was crazy they were just going after it and so close to each other um so that was really cool to see and then you know 2020 i was like this is my year i did the whole training block and like a week before the race or maybe two weeks I had done my, I was already in taper when the race, uh, got canceled. Like everything did, you know? Yeah. Um, so then finally this year I got to go back and I was just like, you know, I wanted to do better. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Do you know why, um, you said it wasn't a golden ticket race anymore, right? Uh, do you know why they made it not a golden ticket race anymore? Um, I believe that Hoka bought Western state or not bought, but like Hoka is the main sponsor of Western States now. Um, so the only races that are golden ticket races are Hoka races, Mm. Hoka sponsored races. Um, I believe that's the deal. Um, and so Lake Sonoma was a big golden ticket race as well. And that one's not anymore. Um, I think maybe they're only doing hundred K's now, but I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Tell us like the, what it was like at the start line. I know whenever I was talking to him, he talked about how he like shakes your hand and like hands you the spike or something like that. So tell us like the, the morning of the start line, all the craziness, how many people were there? Tell us all about that. Well, so this year, you know, things are a little bit different with restrictions and everything. Um, so they just had, a metal bucket full of railroad spikes sitting there and you had, you know, check in like, Hey, I'm here. And they would make sure that you had checked in and registered, whatever you grab your spike. Um, and you know, there's just people mulling around getting ready, kind of, you know, it's dark, it's the morning, it's normal, um, lines at the bathroom. Uh, and everybody 
at this race, it's kind of funny because everybody gets there in the morning and gets their railroad spike and it's not like a nice smooth shape. Uh, so everybody's like huddled over, you know, wrapping it in bubble wrap or like putting their buff around it. You know, some people didn't think about it and they're like, Oh man, they're trying to like find something to wrap around it so they can put it in their back without it. Like jabbing in their side, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what that looks like. And then, uh, Sean shows up or he's been around, but he gets up and kind of starts making his announcements and getting everybody ready to go. Um, but yeah, in the past, when I did it before he hands everybody their spike personally. And then it's just like, you know, the whole idea of the race is he's giving you shit about everyone's going to die out there and just kind of making it a, a cruel thing, but it's all in jest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, he was telling me all about that and I was like, man, it's just such a really freaking cool race, man. Um, so you went and you started, you started the race. Um, tell us like the thoughts in the beginning and kind of where it started hurting. <laughs> so the, the beginning of the race you have, I don't know, maybe two, you can run for a little bit, um, before you start climbing. Um, you run on the road for maybe a quarter of a mile or something, you jump out of the trail and it's a little bit uphill. So you're kind of just doing that little, you know, baby steps going slow, um, knowing what's coming. You don't want to go all out. Um, so it's kind of a slow climb up and there's a little bit of runnable stuff first couple miles. And then you hit the first climb, which is, I mean, I didn't do my homework on this, but I think it's over 2000 feet, maybe like 2,800 feet. And it goes from like mile two or three to mile seven or eight. Um, so you're just, and it's all technical and you're just, nobody's running, you know, like there's, yeah. you, I guess maybe like Andrew Miller, when he was there, he's just crushing the course. So, you know, um, but that's just another level that <laughs> I don't understand how that even works. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For real. They could run like six miles straight up a hill, all these elites and, uh, right. not even be gas. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how they do it, but. Yeah. But there, there's a, there's that big climb and then it's just the trails. There's just there's no switchbacks. So you're going up really steep, down, really steep, up, really steep, down, really steep. And so you really got to be careful at the beginning. And even though I had done it before, it was like, you block out how bad stuff was before, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm getting to these climbs and I'm just like, this is steeper than I remember. This is longer than I remember. And it, um, it surprised me, even though I had been there before, I was like, man, this is rough. Uh, but you're taking it easy. Like you can't, you just can't go hard at the beginning of that race. Um, especially at that race, just cause it's the first 35 miles. I think at 35 and a half, my watch said I had 10,000 feet of climbing. Wow. Um, That's yeah. Crazy. So the beginning, you're just kind of holding back, being careful running when you can, you know, cause there are a few flat sections and there's downhills. So take advantage of what you can. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. Um, what point did you start like your muscles start shutting down and you're like, yep, this is not getting good. What point in the race did uh, that kind of hit you? Um, so at, um, I mean, you're taking those climbs slow, so I'm working on it. And after I thought, you know, like mile 30, I was like, I think I'm done with the hard climbs. And then you hit another one and I'm like, Oh man, there's, 
so many of these I don't remember. And then uh, about mile 37 and a half, I think, you get to the Long Creek aid station. Um, and you hit this section of road that's just really gradual downhill dirt road. So it's like perfect for running fast but you just got done climbing 10,000 feet, you know? And, yeah. but if you, a lot of my mindset, like going into these things, cause I'm, I am like, I have no delusions about being an elite um, up there with the best guys or anything, but like, I'm a competitive person. So I want to push as much as I can. Um, and if you want to do that, you got to take it when you can. So this gradual downhill, I'm just, you know, at this point I'm doing like eight minute miles and that feels like I'm flying. <laughs> um, and then you do that for a few miles and then it turns into a gradual uphill on the dirt and <clears throat> on fresh legs, it's like, you would say it's flat, but at mile 40 or whatever, it's uphill. <laughs> um, yeah. so it's just hard to justify walking, even though you want to, um, cause you've been hiking all these steep uphills and now you're like, well, it's, barely a grade. So forced myself to run all of that. I was like, I just can't like as much as I want to hike this it's just, I can't let myself do that right now. Um, so I ran that. So that's like 37 and a half. And then, um, at 44, you get to see your crew for the second time. Um, so that's like, I'm really looking forward to seeing my crew there. And so I was like, all right, if you push all the way up this, the next time you hit a steep hill, I'll, I'll like let myself hike, you know, or next time you hit a moderate hill, I'm gonna let myself hike. But running hard like that for um, seven miles, right before I got to that aid station, I started to get that kind of tingly feeling you get when you've been pushing a little too hard and you're just not, uh, I don't know, like your lips start to tingle a little bit. Like yeah, you can, your legs like, are just all rolled out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I knew I had maybe gone a little overboard um, going up to that aid station. Yeah. So I assume after you kind of just took it, took it a little bit easier. And then that last couple of miles, I, I'm sure you started kicking it in because you knew you were in first place. You were in lead the whole time, right? Um, I started. So at the beginning, I started like um, six to eight, just kind of hanging with people talking and stuff. Um, cause you have those really steep climbs and there's, you just got to take it easy. Yeah. Um, and I think around, um, about almost to the top of that climb, like mile seven, I left the six, seven, eight. I was like with a couple people. Um, one of them was Christy McBride, who was the, uh, first place female. Oh, and okay. she was just up there just trucking along, like, like a machine, you know? Um, yeah she's not a big girl, like her strides, like half, or I don't know, her cadence has to be close to 200. She's just, just climbing these hills. And uh, it's crazy. Um, so I talked to her for a little bit and I was with a couple other people. And then we, um, I moved up a little bit there and going into 13, there was like five of us, or I was in like with three, four and five, um, and ran through, uh, or refilled there. And then, um, refilled my bladder and then kept going. And then I think I hit second place around just after that and ran with him for a few miles. And then, um, he said first place had just like taken off and was like way up ahead of us. Um, so I was surprised after I left him that, um, ran into the first place guy probably around, I don't know, 
16 or something like that. Um, and ran with him for a little bit. Um, and he's a local guy. He runs those trails all the time. And he was saying he likes to take off the beginning on that first climb just to get out in front. And he's like, I'm going to take it easy. And so I can finish and race it out at the end. (laughs) That's Um, funny. So he kind of let me go by. He's like, I'm going to catch you though. So I was constantly the rest of the time looking over my shoulder thinking like he knows this area better than I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he had me looking over my shoulder when he told me he was going to catch me. That's funny, man. Yeah. Um, dude, whenever you were, whenever I saw the video of you coming in and I see that there's a bridge and there's a creek, it doesn't <laughs> look like the bridge is blocked off. So like, is it a choice to go through the creek or the it, bridge? It, it is not a choice. That's part of the uh, Georgia death race kind mm. of mentality. You know, there's a bridge right there, but you got to go through the water. Oh, okay. I get it now. Cause I was like, why don't they just go over the bridge? And then, yeah, it makes sense. Cause it's Sean Blanton. So, um, right. yeah, that makes total sense, man. Uh, did that spike, that spike you have to carry, did that like weigh you down? Was it like bothering you a little bit or was it like not that bad? Um, I, pr- in training, I used a, um, I just went to like Lowe's and got a carriage bolt. Um, but they're, I don't know what they're made out of but it's not nearly as heavy. Um, so I had used that some in training, uh, but the railroad spike was definitely heavier and I put it, you know, in the side of my, um, hydration pack. So it was like kind of on my right ribs. And then after, I don't know, 30 miles, I switched it and put it in like where you put your bottle. So it was on the front because it was starting to bother my rib. And by the time I got to the end, like the last 10 miles, I just carried it in my hand because I was so sick of that thing pounding into my side and like, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah, I remember watching YouTube videos on the Georgia Death Race, and I saw it, all these people wrapping it up in bubble wrap. And I would think in my head, like, why are they wrapping it up in bubble wrap? But it makes sense because the thing's freaking sharp, and I bet it sucks getting it around, especially when it's like big O sharp and all janked, like janked around and stuff like that. So um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you on that one, man. So leading up like to this race, what was like your longest run? Did you do any weight training? Uh, what did that look like? Um, that is probably my weakest point. I don't really do anything but run. Um, so like lifting planks, pushups, anything like that. I just, I work a lot and I like to spend time with my wife. So between trying to get the miles in and working and having some time to (laughs) do other stuff, I just, uh, I always let that fall by the wayside, which I know it would probably help if I did it, but um, but I don't. Yeah, that's so. crazy, man. Yeah, a lot of these guys, like everybody I've talked to, they always say, "Oh yeah, like I only run like forty miles a week, but I do a lot of weight training. That's how I do my hundred mile races." So you're the first guest to say that you haven't <laughs> uh, done any weight training. So um, congratulations on that one. You get a you get a word for that one. So, um, but yeah, man. So like, what was like the longest? Uh, what was like your miles per week, and what was like your longest runs? Kind of going into it. Um, mileage per week. So once I got into like the heavy training, I was trying to do 60 to 70 miles between Monday and Friday and then do a long run on Saturday. Um, part of my training is I don't run on Sunday. It's like a day to chill, um, with family, hang out, do whatever, um, just take the day off. And I started doing that last year and it's like Sunday is just always a rest day. Yeah. And 
I, it's the longest I've had injury free. Cause I think for a long time I was trying to do, you know, especially leading up to a race doing like back-to-back long runs and I don't, it just doesn't work for me. I think I end up hurting myself. So after I do long runs on Saturday, take Sunday off and then get back after it on Monday. And, uh, so yeah, 60 to 70 miles during the week and then 20 to 30 mile long run on the weekend. So wow. yeah, a few weeks in the nineties, a few weeks over a hundred. And then the last week that I ran, um, so three weeks out from the race, or I guess the end of that week would be two weeks out from the race. I did, um, 70 between Monday and Thursday. And then I did, um, the, you know, Yeti trail runners, they did like a, um, 24 hour hundred K challenge where you do 10 miles every four hours. So after 24 hours straight, so six, 10 mile runs basically. Um, so I did that. So I ended up getting 133 miles that week, Uh, which is the most I've ever done for sure. But it was kind of broken up because of that weird format, you know? Yeah. And I bet that that was super helpful, like leading into this race doing that. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was, that was like a, a big key part in you, uh, doing as well as you did in the, uh, Georgia death race. So, um, yeah, man, that was definitely good. Uh, kind of like training block to do right before that type of race. And you touched on having that rest day and being injury free. Um, that's one thing that a lot of guests on the show have talked about is rest and recovery. Like that's so big for everybody. We had, um, Olympic, uh, marathon qualifier, Ryan Miller on, and he talked about rest and how important it is and to take your easy days easy and everything like that. Uh, that's for like a little bit faster stuff. Um, dudes quake. Uh, but, um, yeah, taking that rest day, at least one day a week to just fully recover, like your legs kind of soak in all the training. And, uh, I feel like that's really big, uh, as far as like running and training goes, if you're training, especially if you're training for a big race like that. Um, so yeah, that's some good stuff. So everybody listening on the show, if you don't have a rest day in your week, you need to take a rest day is the, the moral of the story here. So, um, yeah, I mean, man. people get away with seven days a week. Uh, you know, it's just to each their own. Yep. Yeah. I like sometimes, uh, over here, like running in college, they try to get us to do like easy four miles on a rest day, quote unquote. But I, I like to do bigger mileage in the week. So that way I do have that full day off and I can just soak it all in and recover. And I've been getting faster and I've been knock on wood, but staying injury free from that. So, um, yeah, man, some good stuff. Um, one question, I this is some questions we ask every guest, and um, I'm going to ask you some. So if you could only pick one song for runs for the rest of your life, what song would you choose? Uh, I, I'm i not a big music person. <laughs> I know that's like blasphemy, but I uh, generally listen to podcasts when I'm running. Oh, uh, so you'll be listening to this one then, huh? Yeah. You know, um, I do listen to running podcasts a lot. I actually, uh, listened to a few episodes, you know, just knowing I was coming on, just get an idea of what I was getting into. Um, but I thought about this question and I think I would pick something that I don't like Mm -hmm. because if you only have one song forever and it was, it would be so tempting to listen to, but it would, there's no way it wouldn't just be stuck in your head nonstop. Uh, you know what I mean? So I was like, I'll probably pick some metal or something that I just would not even be tempted to listen to. Yeah. 
Did you hear? Um, did you hear Sean Blanton's response? He said, uh, "It was it was that song by Lady Gaga, and it was like I was born this way or something like that." You know what song I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poker face. Oh yeah, he said that. He said that he would choose that song, and he told me a story of a guy that went on like an eight to ten hour training run, and he just put that song on repeat and listened to it the entire time uh, for like mental training. And so, um, yeah, that's that's funny how they're kind of similar <laughs> to choose a song that you wouldn't like. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, man, honestly, if it were me though, if I had to choose a song for the rest of my life, I would choose a very long diverse song one that's like on youtube when it's like those 24 hour ones you know <laughs> but you I would, I would go i would like bend the question go outside the box a little bit and choose like a uh 48 hour soundtrack of like classics of 2010 2012 or something like that so um yeah, seems like cheating a little bit but yeah Hey, hey, it works if it's <laughs> within the question. Um, all right. So what we already asked about what your kind of pre-race day ritual was. Um, what do you love about running? Um, for me, I think there's a lot to like about it. Um, the fact that you can put in work and see the results. Mm. So I never I didn't start running till after college. Um uh, like too much beer and pizza. And I was like, I got to get in shape, you know? And once you start doing it, it's like, you can just see, you put the work in, you get faster. And that's a cliche thing. A lot of people say, but it's really rewarding to have that. Um, but also there's just so much involved with like community. When I first moved, um, I live in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I first got here in the local running store, uh, Bull City Running Company. They have a group run from the one of the breweries here. Mm-hmm. And you go down there and there's like over a hundred people there every Wednesday night. And you can go down, there's people every pace and you know, anyone, you know, all kinds yes. of different people and they're just hanging out. And that was one of the things uh, that really got me excited about like getting into running and the running community here. Um and yeah, just it can lead open doors and lead you to a lot of different things. Yeah, the running, running community is so big. Uh, if if there if I didn't have a running community and I was just a solo runner, I I honestly don't know if I'd still be running if it wasn't for the community aspect of it. Um, that's kind of the reason I started like this podcast and stuff is because there's like a, a community to it and a lot of people that like support you and. Um, it's cool to like have a bunch of people in the community that, you know, come on like your own show. And um, yeah, I, I love the community aspect of, of running though. And like when you go to an ultra or a trail, um, like a trail running event and it's a bunch of people that you kind of know each other, especially if you run like with local trail running groups, something like that. It's usually people, you know? And so um, yeah, I freaking love that. And um, I definitely agree with you on that one, man. Um, one question that popped in my head earlier that I forgot it slipped my mind, but it came back. Um, so when you're doing this training week, t- tell me what your diet kind of looks like. Are you just like shoving everything you can down your throat to like make up for the burning of the, uh, how much calories you're burning or kind of tell me about that. Yeah, I do eat a lot of food. Um, usually I, I have like a pretty regular routine. So in the mornings I, make um like a huge slab of sausage and three eggs and put it on like you know with some cheese on a bagel or something biscuit or whatever i got 
Um, and then for lunch, I have a big salad with, you know, chicken or whatever kind of protein I can throw there and just like any vegetables in the fridge, throw that in there. Um, just to make sure I'm getting a lot of greens and stuff, but then in between, I'm just kind of eating whatever, um, a lot of yogurt and granola, but also like if there's anything sweet sitting out, it's gone. Like there's, I can't say no. Um, Yeah. 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 Hey, I'm the same way. Honestly, I was thinking about it. I was like, these guys, these skinny guys, like guys like us that run all these miles. Uh, I was like, they, they better hope like any restaurants around with food challenges, like any big (laughs) challenges aren't like, uh, putting out too many cash prizes or anything out for those because guys like us, like we can put down some food. Like when I go to the cafeteria here at college, I'm getting like five, six, seven plates. And I was emailing the head chef the other day because they'd like to give you quote unquote controlled portions. So you don't get the freshman 15. <laughs> and I emailed the the chef and I said, Hey, I'm tired of getting six, seven, eight plates. Having to take so many trips. I want it all in one. And uh, he still hasn't responded. It's been about two days now or something like that. I sent two I was like, the course of a week. <laughs> yeah. Dude hasn't responded yet. He's like, yeah, you can email me if you have any questions. Sent two emails. I've got a response back. So we'll see about that. But yeah, like that's, that's one of the biggest things I love about running so many miles a week is the amount of food you can eat. You could just eat anything and a bunch of carbs. Carbs are so good. You can eat a bunch of bread, pizza, whatever you want. Obviously, if you're a track athlete trying to run the 800, one mile, whatever, and you're trying to get faster, you probably should eat a little bit more healthy your food if you're running less than like 30, 40 miles a week. But anything above 35, I'd say, just dig in, go for it. Yeah, there's there's lots of nutrition theories and, you know, you yeah. got to do what works for you, but I yeah. love food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely got to do what works for you. Honestly, so like for two years, I was eating like real healthy um, I was like not eating like a ton of sugar stuff, uh, came here that completely changed in college it, literally within a week, my, my two year diet of like uh, hardcore, just healthy food changed in a week. And that's what college will do to you. And, um, so honestly, when I changed my diet, I noticed I, I was getting a little flabby, you know, at the bottom of the stomach, but, but I was getting faster though. So, um, yeah. I was burning off all the calories that I was taking in. So, um, yeah, honestly. I heard. Go ahead. I don't remember where I. Uh, I think I read it on like some elite runners thing on Instagram or something. They said their coach told them that um, there's no such thing as overtraining, just under eating. And mm-hmm. I was like, that doesn't sound like solid science, but I'm gonna take it to heart. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, man. Yeah, like when you're out there running 70, 80 miles a week your legs are just like, depending how like hard you're taking them and everything, but usually your legs are just full of like lactate and they're tired. Um, they got to have some, something to energize them. You got to have some food. Uh, so yeah, man, I just love So are you training for anything? Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you training for anything on the trails? Um, all right. So here's the deal. We have, I signed up for the bears ears ultra 50 K, which is in Moab, Utah, uh, awesome. in June. And, but that's same. That's the same day as Western States, and so Ryan Miller, who was actually on this show like four months ago, I think he won the Bandera 100K and got the golden ticket to go to Western States. I meet him and I are talking about doing a collab with another brand like Nike Trail or something, 
And so I'm either going to be doing this ultra or I'm going to go out to Western States and do a whole documentary um, of his story, him being from Texas, running at Western States um, and everything like that. And that's the first time like, I kind of telling everybody about that. Um, so we're going to see, I'm either going to do my first ultra or I'm going to do a really cool film for Nike um, or have it Nike sponsored. So um, we're definitely going to see. I'm still well, looking for sponsors. Awesome. Do what? I said, either way, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it'll be a cool film too. Um, we're trying to get it to like, be like an actual like trail, big trail and ultra film. So, um, if anybody out there knows, has any connections with the big brands that are looking, uh, to sponsor the actual documentary, send them my way, Texas outlaw running at gmail.com. Y'all know where it's at. So, um, yeah, man, but yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything, man. Um, one thing I like to do before I end every show is I like to have the guest give our audience like a last piece of either advice, advice, motivation, um, whatever it may be. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you and leave you to uh, give our audience just one last piece. Oh, um, I guess if you, if you want it, like whatever you want to do in running, you can do it. Um, like, obviously you're not, everybody can't go out and be Jim Walmsley, but like, if you want to work towards something, you, you can do more than you think. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean like going faster or trying to win a race or anything like that, but you know, just getting like, if you want to go run a 5k and right now you can hardly do anything. When I started running, I was, you know, spent, I felt like I was going to die after a couple, you know, a couple of miles felt like everything. Um, and it's just, you know, whatever you want out of it, you can get out of it. Yep. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Definitely. Um, take that advice guys. Like when I first, like, just like him, when I first started running, I couldn't even run half a mile without like gasping for air, legs tired, full out. Like literally it's, you can achieve so much in running and it literally just takes time, discipline and, and, uh, and a want. And so, um, yeah, that's some really good advice, man. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show guys. Uh, I'm going to, my plan for the show is to release an episode once or twice every month. And it's obviously going to be put out on Saturday. Like all the, all the other ones are. Um, so that's the plan as far as the show guys. And if you guys want to donate like one, $2 a month to help out the Patreon, um, keep the podcast up and running. We do have a Patreon link in the description. You can donate like a dollar or two. Um, so yeah, guys, make sure you guys leave a five star, uh, rating, please five star. You can leave any type of rating you want. I want you guys to be honest. Um, but yeah, leave a rating, especially if you're on Apple podcast, I think we're at like six, five star ratings right now. We're getting up there. And, um, actually something really cool came out. We're actually number three running podcast in Australia right now. So, um, <laughs> that's super cool, but, uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show guys. And I'm going to make sure you guys can follow him. I'm going to leave all the social media, uh, below. Um, so that way you could follow him or reach out to him if you have any questions and yeah, that's it. And I'll see you guys probably about two or three weeks, um, on the, on the show. And it's going to be posted out on the Saturday and I'll be posting on the Instagram, uh, when that show's coming out. Um, so yeah, I'll see you guys next episode.